Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. I am your host, Diane Sorensen, certified life coach, hypnotherapy practitioner, mother, grandmother, and human fascinated with behavior and how to live our best life. My goal is to offer you another perspective, to see behavior in ourselves, our children, and others from another angle. This podcast is for anyone who wants to feel more connected in their relationships. It's for anyone who feels the pull for something more. It's for parents and those who are not. This podcast is for anyone who wants to take a deeper look because this is where we talk about breaking generational patterns and outdated cultural beliefs, cultivating deeper connections in our life, and leading our life with more confidence and clarity. And I believe that's when beautiful behavior comes into focus. You can learn more about my process, me, and the three different ways in which beautiful behavior could come into focus for you at my website at diannesorensen.net. That's D-I-A-N-E-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Okay, listeners, let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome, and happy 2023. Yes, by the time this episode goes out, it will be 2023. So happy, happy new year, everyone. And how about making this new year, this year, the year of I am good enough. I am good enough. Not am I good enough, but I am good enough. So this I am I good enough is so prevalent in our culture. It's, it's like an epidemic. You know, everybody questions that, am I good enough? And am I good enough at what? What is it that we're questioning if we're good enough at? Like, I could question, am I good enough to have a podcast? And I did question that. And I decided to answer that with yes and do it. Um, You know, am I good enough to be a guest on a podcast? Am I good enough uh, to uh, do whatever job it is we have? Am I a good enough mother? Am I a good enough, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Am I good enough? And really what that's questioning is, am I worthy? It's just another way of saying, am I worthy? And if I think I'm not good enough, we will always find the evidence that proves it right? Our brain is built that way. A belief is a thought that we think over and over and over again. And so we think that over and over, oh, am I good enough? Well, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to do this or that or the other thing. And our brain searches for situations or people or circumstances to bring into our life that proves that belief, it gets, that belief gets buried into our subconscious. And because we believe it, our brain searches for 
circumstances that will prove that. So this belief is limiting. It's a negative belief we hold about ourselves, and it keeps us limited to doing things uh, that we maybe would do if we just believed we were good enough to do them. So how, do the, how does this even happen? How does this get formed? Well, these beliefs are formed early in our childhood, before the age of 10, before our logical thinking minds uh, were fully online. So in childhood, we have experiences that you know, we're too young to process logically. So we make them mean something about ourselves. We form, you know, negative assumptions about ourselves based on these experiences. And we go about life as if it's just the facts. So our brain finds evidence at what we believe is a fact. And I'm not good enough. If that's the belief, then here's the evidence to prove it. So, I mean... What do you typically focus on? The things that you have gotten done during the day or the things you didn't get done? If you're like me, I tend, you know, my go-to is to focus on the things that didn't get done, right? I didn't have time to do this and that and the other thing. Um, but we can't, you know, I think that, that that's our wiring. That's our natural wiring. Um, that's the primitive brain for survival. We needed to be alert to negative uh, things in the, the environment for our survival. Um, however, in our modern day, it's really discouraging. We are discouraging ourselves every day when we focus on the things we didn't do. So we can we can rewire our wiring, right? We can rewire um, ourselves, our brain, to focus on what we did get done during the day. Oh, I did have time for X, Y, Z. And I got, you know, five hours of sleep. Instead of, I missed three hours of sleep. I got this much sleep. Um, And so that we can actively encourage ourselves. Because when we discourage ourselves, we automatically, you know, carry that discouraging energy and we share it unknowingly with others in our environments. And... um, especially when we're stressed, right? You can tell a stressed out person just by their energy. So we can we do this with our kids too. Do we focus on what our kids did do? Or, you know, do we focus on what they did do and what we're uh, proud of them for? Or do we focus on what they didn't do or didn't do well and or what made us angry what kind what their behavior that made us angry and again our our brain has a negative bias so we're wired to you know go to the the negative so we're always telling our children 
um, the things that we don't want them to do, but we often forget, you know, kind of just bypass the things that they did do. Um, and we, it's kind of like, oh, well, they're supposed to do that. I don't need to, you know, um, acknowledge it, but we really do. Uh, because validation wires us for self-worth and feeling good enough. So we do need to find those things that they are doing that make us proud and acknowledge it every day. Acknowledge that because, and I think I talked about this on an earlier episode, but our you language becomes their I language. So telling them you, you know, did this well becomes, oh, I do this well. You know, I, you are helpful. I am helpful. You are thoughtful. I am thoughtful. You are kind. I am kind. You know, um, instead of the negative, um, you know, you're always making such a mess. I'm always messy. You're, you know, you never listen. I don't listen. Um, so we want to be focusing for them and for us. We want to be focusing on the positive. So, and we can, with awareness, we can rewire ourselves to see more positive and create positive assumptions rather than negative ones. And this isn't turning a blind eye or pretending the negative doesn't exist. It's not about overcompensating uh, for the positive. In fact, we don't even have to think of it as positive or negative, really. We can think of it in terms of helpful or hurtful, right? Is this comment being, is it helpful or is it hurtful? And anything that is not helpful is hurtful in some way. So even like when we tend to rescue our children from feeling, you know, undesired emotions, um, that is not helpful. And so it is hurtful to rescue them from them, their emotions from them, because we're not doing, we're doing them a disservice when we do that. Uh, because they need to be able to have their emotions acknowledged and put language around it and have their emotions validated as real. Because oftentimes we'll say things like, you know, they say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm scared or this scares me. And we're like, oh, this is nothing to be scared of, you know? And so it makes them question themselves and doubt themselves um, or, you know, they're crying because they're sad. Oh, that's nothing to be sad about. It's not a big deal. Let's go get some ice cream. It'll be fine. Um, and then 20 years later, they're disconnected from that emotion and they go get ice cream every time they start to feel something bubble up. So in order for our children and for us to be able to regulate and manage our own emotions, we have to be able to have them and connect with them and understand where they are in our body and put language around them. Uh, and so talking about the uh, making uh, positive assumptions rather than negative ones, um, 
You can also think of it as, does this assumption help me respond in a helpful way? In other words, does this assumption or this perception cause me stress or bring me a sense of comfort? So if it brings you stress, you're going to most likely react in a hurtful way, right? You might yell, you might send them to your room, their room, sending them away um, in, in whatever way, you know, having that negative reaction towards them, which gives them the message in this moment, I'm not good enough. Um, and so if you are making a positive assumption, it, that, that gives you a little more comfort, you most likely will respond in a more helpful way. So for instance, let's just take a young child um, coloring on the wall, we'll say. You know, a negative assumption is going to be, um, you know, they're disrespecting me uh, and they're disrespecting our home and my things. Um, they know better. Um, I've told them before. So all of these things create stress and create us to react in uh, unhelpful ways, it, which teaches our children to react to upset or, or when somebody's not doing something uh, that we like, then you can just treat them however you want. And we are really making these up anyway. We don't know why the children's coloring, the child is coloring on the wall. We're not in their head. They're just trying to figure out how this world works. So we, if we're going to make it up, let's make it up in a way that is less stressful and keeps the relationship intact. So a positive assumption might sound something like, hmm, it looks like you were exploring ways of coloring. Walls are not for coloring, paper is for coloring. Let's get a sponge, clean this off, and then we'll explore uh, ways to color with paper. So you're setting the boundary. You're letting the child know that mm, this isn't okay. We need to clean this up. The child helps you clean it up. And then you help them find a uh, appropriate way of using the crayons. And who knows? Maybe they wanted to color upright instead of down on the paper. So, you know, we can give them choices. Hey, do you want to, now we have paper, you want to color down on the table or do you like coloring upright like you are doing on the wall? And, you know, if it's upright, say, oh, okay, well, we need to have paper for that. So if you don't have an easel, maybe you put paper, you know, in a, on a wall or, you know, cover the whole wall or, you know, however, um, you can be creative in figuring out ways that they could color upright. So it's, it's, just being curious, really, being curious of different ways to um, respond. And again, keeping intact the relationship and opening up curiosity and possibilities. And the child doesn't feel diminished. Yeah, they made a mistake. Okay, well, let's look at the mistake. Let's correct it. And move on. Uh, and this is what helps our children become problem solvers instead of fearing 
taking risk or doing anything in fear of what other people are going to think. Uh, so we want to instill encouragement and um, confidence in them that when they mess up, okay, let's figure this out. How can we do this different? Because what happens with a negative assumption is uh, it creates anger and defense and resentment and distrust in the relationship, and it creates disconnection. It puts fractures in our worthiness and in the relationship where a positive assumption creates connection. And again, it allows for mistakes and opportunities to learn and grow for both of the adults and the children. Um, and it keeps self-worth intact. I make a mistake and I'm good enough. You know, I yell at my children and I am good enough. I color on the wall and I am good enough. I, I don't know, I uh, messed up and I'm good enough. I'm using perfectionist uh, tendencies and I'm good enough. In other words, I am worthy. And it's not just I am good enough, it's I messed up, I am good enough and What's one new choice I can make? What's one new action I can take to start to shift the direction of this? Right? We don't just yell at our kids one day and the next day we're not yelling because we say, oh, I'm good enough. I'm worthy. It's what is one action I can take? What's one new choice and one new action? And we just keep building on that. And we can even talk about that with our kids. And they can see how, you know, we're shifting, how we can problem solve. We can be problem solvers. You know, I yelled at you earlier today, and that's not how I want to show up in our relationship. And I'm working on shifting that. Um, I know I'll probably mess up again, but here's, I'm, I'm creating a new choice. I'm going to make a new choice and take a new action, whatever that is. Maybe it's, I'm going to choose to uh, start a, pra- a, a deep breathing practice. I'm going to practice it once a day. And um, so that's a choice and an action. I'm going to choose to do that. And then I'm going to take action on it. And then maybe the next choice is I'm going to uh, practice that deep breathing twice a day for one minute. Two times a day, one minute, I'm going to deep breathe. I'm going to connect with my emotions. I'm going to start this practice of emotional awareness. So, and it's just one choice and one action at a time. And it's the same with our kids. When they mess up, they see us doing this, they too can learn what's the impact of it. How did it make me feel? I, you know, I don't want to continue this because it doesn't feel good. What's one new action, one new choice I can make and one new action that will start to shift me in the direction I want to go and feel how I want to feel. And that builds our sense of self-worth because whether we recognize this or not, self-worth is at the core of 
all of our relationship issues, it's the foundation of our relationships. It hugely impacts our relationships. And self-worth is really at the root of codependency, depression, anxiety, um, that feeling of being stuck or having um, difficulty making decisions, setting and maintaining boundaries. Um, So self-worth is at the core of so much of our suffering. And a lack of self-worth feels powerless. And powerlessness is terrifying. So our go-to is to defend and blame. So our number one job as a parent is to keep our children safe emotionally and physically. But here's the deal. When we ourselves don't feel emotionally safe, we cannot provide it for our children. So if we aren't comfortable with our own emotions, our own upset, we won't be comfortable with anybody else's. And we will try to take care of their feelings, rescuing them from their feelings, pleasing them to earn our worth, our, our enoughness. You know, we tie our good enoughness to how much I accomplish, how much I produce, what I do, um, or how much I can do for others. And this is external validation. And we, what we annoyingly do is allow others to decide if we're worthy or not, or how worthy we are, how good enough we are. And it's really addicting. I know I was addicted to validation. I just, when I started on this journey and became aware of how much I sought validation, I mean, it was constant because validation meant I have value. I'm good enough. I'm worthy. And I wouldn't have used the word worthy, actually, but I would have used the word good enough. So you may resonate with good enough more over worthy. Um, but I mean, it's terrifying to think you don't matter, that you're not good enough. You don't matter. And so there's this constant seeking external validation and it is so exhausting and it doesn't really bring, it doesn't build self-worth um, uh, if we don't believe it. So people can keep telling us how great we are, but if we don't actually believe it, it doesn't build self-worth. So we didn't, a lot of us didn't get the validation that we needed um, when we were children. And, And that's just, you know, it's because of our traditional model of judgment and blame. You know, it's our go to. It's how we were wired. Um, And so this is a big paradigm shift and we're needing this paradigm shift so that we can feel worthy and generation, you know, this is a generational uh, pattern and it's not helpful because when we don't feel good about ourselves, we don't do good. I mean, 
you know, we, we do better when we feel good about ourselves. So we need to know that I am a good person that has messed up um, or made a mistake. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It just means I made a mistake. And so now I'm going to make a new choice and take a new action um, and and learn, have, create, have this mistake or you don't even have to call it a mistake. You, I'm, going to, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to learn from and grow from uh, because of the impact of it. It impacted me in a way that didn't feel good and it impacted you in a way that didn't feel good. It's not shifting because that's what I'm supposed to do or should do or I shouldn't do that. It's really about internal motivation rather than the external. And that's the real shift here is going from external um, validation, ex, you know, seeing everything from the outside in is working from the inside out, um, feeling the impact of my choices and actions and deciding that that doesn't feel good and shifting. And our children can do this too. That's what a true effective consequence really is. Uh, consequences the way we use them traditionally is uh, a punishment. But an effective consequence really is about the impact that uh, one feels and the ability to create a new plan, a new choice, take a new action, and then keep adjusting and correcting and shifting um, until you reach your highest goal. And that's what creates confidence and uh, enoughness, self-worth. So we can now as adults... Um, validate ourselves, be compassionate with ourselves, have empathy for ourselves when we make a mistake. So uh, some kind of ways to measure how you're doing with self-worth. Um, because I, again, I don't think we necessarily recognize that, uh, you know, our self, we don't have um, high self-worth. So, you know, think about it as a scale of one to 10. One being, you know, bottom of self-worth, you know, the glass is empty to 10, you know, my self-worth glass is full. I am enough. Um, for me, before I started, I mean, not even that long ago, um, mine was at a one. I mean, I was pretty empty on the self-worth, um, scale. And so, of course, that's why I teach this, because it's what I need the most. Um, and so some ways to kind of measure uh, how you're doing with self-worth is, um, one, to think about how how do you self-punish or self-discipline yourself? How much do you beat yourself up? How often do you call yourself names? Oh my gosh, that was so stupid. I'm such an idiot. You know what? You know, I did it all the time. Um, and the other thing is, how often do you apologize for yourself? Right? We're going around apologizing for ourselves all the time. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, even when we have emotions, right? 
we get emotional, we cry. We're, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, so, you know, just kind of take note of that. Notice how often you're beating yourself up in your head, how much you're apologizing for yourself. Here's another one. How well do you nourish yourself with love? Again, how often do you talk compassionately to yourself? How often are you kind, use kind words with yourself? How much do you allow time for yourself? Do you allow yourself to use your time or do you give all of your time to others? Do you allow yourself to take up space? Um, and another one is how well do you take compliments for your accomplishments? right? You've accomplished something. Somebody's like, wow, you know, that's really impressive or, you know, whatever it is. And you're like, oh, it's not that big a deal, right? We, we often downplay our own accomplishments. So notice that. And another thing is notice how much you worry about what other people think about you, because that is the seeking approval and validation externally. And I can tell you for me, it was constant. I constantly worried about what other people thought. Um, and you know, again, maybe it wasn't given, um, that validation and approval wasn't maybe given to you as a child. You didn't internalize it, um, as I didn't. Um, so, uh, we learned to seek it externally. So, Again, it's this is such an important topic and I'm really passionate about it because again, self-worth has a huge impact on all of our relationships. And if the foundation of our relationships is rocky, right? If the foundation of our relationships is built on a rocky foundation, on a rocky self-worth, um we're in most likely for a rocky relationship and especially with our children. So if we don't feel good enough before we have children, that is going to grow exponentially when we have children and we will try to make them good enough too. So we end up trying to make them who we need them to be so we're good enough just as our parents did. They needed us to be, you know whoever they needed us to be to feel good enough, to feel worthy, to feel like a good parent. So again, it's a generational pattern that we can start to shift for future generations. And it's really about looking at the truth. And it can be very difficult to turn the spotlight on ourselves and look of, of what is inside me because it's might be scary to find out what is in there but really when we take away all of our roles all of our titles all of all of that we are of goodness and love that is the core of our being and that's what we have the opportunity to connect with um again because when we don't look at the truth, it will come out sideways, right? It will come out, you know, the truth can come out sideways in uh, an affair 
or in illness or self-sabotage or self-destructive behaviors. Um, And so oftentimes we refuse to look at the truth until it comes out sideways and, you know, we don't have anywhere else to go but in. We don't have to wait for a tragedy to to, um, happen before we decide to uh, look within and take our own personal discovery journey and feel the way we want to feel in our life, create the life that uh, allows us to thrive and feel good. So I could go on and on and on on this subject, uh, but I know time. This has been this is a long episode, so I want to be respectful of your time, and so I'm going to end it here. Happy New Year, everyone, and we'll see you back here next. Thank you for tuning into the Beautiful Behavior Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show or previous shows, I would so appreciate you subscribing and leaving a review. I am so grateful for all of you listeners who are joining me here for these conversations because I believe it's through these type of conversations that we start to shift the paradigm, creating a more loving and compassionate world. I hope you will join me here each week as we discover new ways to show up in our lives and create a bigger impact. And if you are ready to take this to the next level, head on over to my website at diannesorensen.net. Again, that's D-I-A-N-E-S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.net. Get on my calendar and see how you can be supported and if we're a good fit so that you can get out of survival and into thrival. Change is possible and I've got you.